Hello, listeners of Year Z Between the Chapters Pod, a bonus episode coming to you from the OER Cross Domains 21 conference. Uh, Clint, Martin, myself were on a panel in a Discord session where we had a candid conversation with some listeners. A few of you had shown up and joined the conversation, so thanks. I didn't attempt to record it. It The audio is okay. You'll hear some ambiance noise, let's call it. Some little in and outs, maybe a microwave. Who knows? Um, it's live. So I'm, I did my best to clean it up as best as I could, but I think you'll enjoy the conversation. And hey, it's a bonus episode, so don't listen to it if you don't want to. Enjoy what we talked about. And it was great hearing from you all. And there is a call for your audio conversation. I'm collecting that. I'm hoping to get some in by May 1st so I can start adding some extra bonus episodes with your voice, dear listener. So check out the show notes to learn more of where you could submit your own audio reflection for the 25 Years of EdTech book. Thanks. Between the Chapters, a weekly podcast discussion focusing on a chapter of the book, 25 Years of EdTech, written by Martin Weller. Here's your host, Laura Pasquini. Well, we, you can tell Clint's got a, a history in radio, that plush intro there. So uh, thanks for that. And welcome, everybody, to this uh, OER uh, 21 Domains session on 25 Years of EdTech, the audio project. Um, as you know, we're recording this for a podcast, uh, and so we want people to interact. But um, so you might want to think of some questions as we're as we're talking. So questions you might have in your mind are: What other books might you want to do this with? That would be a good idea with. Um, and what challenges did we have in 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 uh, developing this project? So uh, we're sw- switching it slightly today. So I'm going to be the host and be asking Laura and Clint uh, questions. So uh, I'm going to start with Clint. So uh, Clint, what was this project about and why did you choose to talk to your friends in this manner? Well, the project was basically taking this book here, which you wrote, uh, and turning it into an audiobook version. Um, yeah, so what we wanted to do or what I, what the idea that I had is um, I, I wanted to turn this book into um, an audiobook version of it. And the, the idea behind it came from uh, well, there was a couple of drivers behind it. First off, uh, it, it was possible to do because it was released with an open license. It had a Creative Commons uh, attribution, uh, non-derivative license, and we can talk about working with a non-derivative book after that. But because Martin decided to publish it openly uh, and the publishers uh, were in agreement to be able to openly license it, um, we were able to take it and kind of run with it and do this project and convert it into an audiobook version of it. And part of the reason it came up was uh, it, uh, I'd been talking, if you read Martin's blog, uh, you'll know that um, every year he writes a blog post about the books that he reads. Uh, and a few years ago, I saw a, a blog post where I think it, the number was like 96 books. And so I contacted Martin. I'm like, how did you do that? Like, how do you read 96 books? I get through two. Uh, and he said the secret is audiobooks, and so um, he's been he, he turned me on to audiobooks a few years ago. Uh, and so when he told me that he was writing and uh, working on turning this blog series of twenty five years of ed tech into a book, I kind of thought, well, it's it's kind of a shame for someone who loves audiobooks and consumes audiobooks so much that he's not going to have an audio version of the book for himself. And um, um, so I thought maybe I can do this. So I contacted Martin and he thought, uh, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Uh, contacted, uh, Athabasca mm-hmm. university press. They thought it was a good idea. 
Uh, and then I'd, originally I was going to do it myself, uh, but then I reached out to a whole bunch of people thinking that this would be really good to see if we could do it as a community project. Uh, and so I started gathering people and uh, had a whole bunch of people sign on right away and go, yeah, I'll read a chapter, I'll read a chapter, uh, and was able to kind of run with it. And then one of the people that I contacted was Laura, uh, who I know uh, does podcasts and asked her to be part of it. And she said, yeah, I could read it. Oh. And I'll pass it over to Laura to talk about her piece. Or Tendis is on here as well. We had a little back and forth about wouldn't it be fun to to have some banter? Um, note for our listeners that are listening to this episode later, you're going to hear a lot of people coming on, in and out of the Discord channel. That's a you'll know that I like to in audio. Um, Less about the podcast, more about the story and hear things behind. So the idea was there's got to be more between the chapters that we don't talk about. And the idea was to make space. Um, so we're not going to get too into it now. We only have 20 hot minutes. So we put some links into this Google Doc that's about drafting the book, about the chapters, how we got started. We've already rambled on about this. So Martin... Um, why don't we jump into another area of this? Because the bonus episodes are myself and some guests and conversations. Many of you have been contributing to that, and we're really grateful. But let's get back on to what does this mean as OER and OEP as a practice, open educational practice? Sure. So I think we've got a lot of the people in this channel who, who contributed to that, uh, either the audio book or the, or the podcasts. Um, so, yeah, on, on the kind of idea of open educational practice, I mean, you mentioned, uh, Clint, the, the open license and what that what that allowed. Um, but I wonder if, if both of you might want to talk to the kind of effort involved in, in doing these kind of projects. I th I've seen a lot of people say, well, that looks really cool, the audio book. We should do a thing like that. And uh, and I, I agree they should do a thing like that. It's excellent. And it's, it's an amazing resource. But I, th I think I, they might be underestimating the effort involved. So perhaps uh, we'll start with you, Laura, this time, and you can talk about that and then, then Clint. Sure. I have a post-it note right now that says, edit blockchain episode chapter 24. That should be out at 1 a.m. my time. Uh tomorrow so it takes some time it takes some resources it takes some money in some sense and the good reason why i jumped into this project and said i'd love to do this is i miss this community and i had the time and i actually had a couple um back channel podcast feeds i could filter this one into and it was a book that had an ending so i knew it was reasonable um i could work on this from last June, July, until a few weeks from now. We'll probably have a few episodes in May. Hint, hint, we'll want your call for Audio Voice soon. But the labor is, um, <laughs> I did the work of, for myself, a producer, wrangling guests, interviewing guests, editing audio and actual editing. So it's great to all commune like this, but there's some production, post-production that happens, curating links, finding links. And part of the reason why I did this was to open up that conversation to different voices that weren't recording the chapters, but also so I could learn and the community could learn and we could ask more questions around these topics that are still resonating with us, um, not even just around the pandemic this year, but in teaching, learning and openness as a practice. So that's how I saw it. Um, and ed tech and the vehicle and the chapters and the years get us into the conversation. But we just had just more interesting things. Um, it does take probably... I don't know, two to five hours of my week, but I lovingly do it. Um, but it's not an easy thing to do. And I know, Clint, you've been doing some of those work as well with the chapters. 
Yeah, with the chapters, there was some, yeah, at the beginning, there was a lot of work just kind of like fleshing out the idea, talking to people, finding uh, volunteers to voice, because this is a completely volunteer-driven project. None of us are getting paid uh, for doing this project. Uh, we're just doing it to kind of, as a community-building exercise, really. Um, and and it's worked really well that way. But there is a lot of work. I mean, I do, I, I still do like an hour or two each week as I'm as I'm kind of updating websites and putting links together and editing programs and, and things like that. And I think you know when it comes down to open educational resources and talking about open educational practices, this is something that uh, that, that you know we have to keep in mind. And there are people that are building these things kind of off the side of their desk and putting in this extra uh, labor to do this uh, because they love it. And I think there's a good discussion to happen whether on how we can kind of change that from being off the desk work to actually being paid work that's valued in our institutions to be able to create open educational resources, share, edit, and modify open educational resources. Oh, I, I also wanted to add one thing too about the open educational practice piece is uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do this is 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 I wanted to um, try to create a new format for an existing resource. I mean, the title of this is to is you know giving a, a resource legs, and that's a journalism term that talks about a, a news story that uh, just kind of always has a refresh or always has a new angle coming out. And in journalism, you talk about that as a story that has legs. And I think there's a parallel there between open educational resources and different ways of distributing content. I'm very inspired by work of, of George Velazianos, my colleague at Royal Roads University, who does these things called research shorts, where he takes a research paper, distills it down, and then shares it in a different format. And so I also saw this being something that could... Uh, could be kind of like that, where we could take it and maybe find a wider audience uh, by having an audio version of the book. Fun fact, I helped him start that, Clint. Did you? Oh, I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, no, I, th <laughs> I think the idea was also about incorporating more voices. And to be honest, I could do better. And as the host, I did what I could to ask people I didn't know, some that I knew. Um, I'd love to have other voices in the community. And I really wanted to open this up. But we even put a call out for open voices and recording because I'd love to have some people from other parts of the world, um, not just Canadian content like Clint and I are doing, but thinking about it, what's not been told and what's not been said. And so I do navigate that in my working life across time zones. So I think about it a lot. And I don't think we always do this in the open community, or it's not always realistic, because there's some technologies, there's some learning curves, and time zones and bandwidth and actual bandwidth. Um, so there's some of that that didn't happen in this project. And I would say, that's a call out, I'm going to own that because um, we could do what we could do. But it would be great to have more hosts, it'd be great to have different guests. But people only have their own resources and bandwidth to do some of this work. And I also recognize um, we can ask for an open call, but unless you actually say, hey, DM, email, follow up, um, I'd love to talk with you, I'd like to schedule it, it doesn't happen, it doesn't get done. So that's the other work off the side of the desk. I love that you said that, Clint, um, that we need to talk about is it takes some wrangling. So I, I wrangled this with Clint and Martin helped out to introduce this to folks and we just knocked on digital doors to say, can we have a conversation? And it's been a rewarding professional opportunity to talk to some of these folks and bring other voices that may not have been heard from the chapters. 
I think that uh, thing about other voices has been really intriguing for me as an author as well. You know, when you when you write a book, I was very conscious that it was kind of very much my take on twenty five years of ed tech, and I sort of tried to make that clear in the in, in the intro and in the book. But you, you know, you know, that you're kind of you can't help but be kind of you know centric to some extent. And I think hearing all those different takes that you've had, particularly in the podcast, has been uh, really enlightening for me. I, I, I almost want to do it the other way around. It's good to have the podcasts first and then write the book because there's so many people that's a really good point wish i'd put that in the book that's really good you know and to go back to your point on the the kind of work clean i was thinking the other day about this that the you know uh, with the book the audio book and the podcast that would make a great course you know if someone wanted to run a course around your ed tech that's your kind of like undergrad course in ed tech right there and if if someone was producing that they'd spend a lot of money to produce you know resources of that of that kind of quality um so I think you know it, it, it's difficult to how you, you you sort of fund that, but I, I think um, perhaps just before we open it up to other people who want to come in, um, having been through the joy and the pain, both of you, are, are there things that you would do differently? Do you think if you were to do this again, you know, and I've got a book coming out next year, so we can go through it all again, you know, with, with all the lessons that we've learned. <laughs> He's paying for us for this one, right, Clint? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I kind of want to just shut up now because we only have six minutes left and I'd love to hear from the community. So that's my pro tip is let other people talk and shut up. Why am I talking is the question I ask. (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy. If anyone wants to chip in, please uh, open up. I think you just click on it. You should be able to just... I do see that we have some people who have read chapters that are here, some people who have been guests on the podcast. I I would really love to hear about your experience in being part of this project, too, because uh, I think other than getting an audio file and the initial conversation I might have had with you, uh, for me, this is is the first time I've seen some of you talk to you. (laughs) Hey, everyone. I was one of the readers, and I thought it was uh, fantastic. I loved um, the opportunity to read it. I chose the blogging one, and I thought it was particularly apropos for me. Um, and I really liked the between the chapters. Um, I thought that was great, too. But then again, I you know, uh, anyone who knows me knows that I like to talk, so podcasting is like my, <laughs> my dream. Um, I, d- I have a question for Martin, though, and, and you addressed it in one of the bonus episodes, but as we move through, I, I'm curious, is what's the experience been like for you listening to the chapters being read back by the various voices, as well as the commentary um, that we've all been doing uh, in the Between the Chapters podcast? What's what's that been like as the author of, of the work? Yeah, highly. It's a... Uh, been interesting very interesting i think and I, first of all i think everyone's been really kind so there haven't been any podcasts where people have gone this is really rubbish this chapter is completely wrong so generally people have sort of been quite constructive and i think that's kind of what i wanted from the book you know it's it's a kind of conversation starting point you know if you've got 25 years and each chapter is never going to be the kind of definitive take on that technology so i think using it to springboard was good and that's what i wanted but i think it's a bit like um often say about kind of open textbooks, I think they change the nature of your relationship to, to a textbook. You know, it's no longer a kind of a thing that you receive that's kind of unchangeable. It becomes much more of a, a kind of living document. And I felt that very much with this as well, like hearing all those other voices coming. So uh, there's a certain 
I think letting go of control and a certain <laughs> vulnerability, I think, involved. You can't just sort of hide anymore. It's like, I've released my great poem to the world. You know, <laughs> suddenly all these other people are reading it. And, and even just the audio uh, chapters, not the necessarily the podcast, but people put emphasis in different places. Oh, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it like that. And that's kind of been really interesting to hear different people read the chapters. And, and, and so often the people reading the chapters are far more expert than I am uh, in, in, on that particular chapter, on that particular technology. So you kind of have to learn to sort of just you know accept that i think I've, I've really enjoyed it and i think it's been a real testament to the community that people have been, have come into it in kind of a spirit of generosity i think i just edited out the bad stuff don't worry martin i don't want you to cry so i just clipped that it's mainly from cog dog and you know jim groom so they don't you don't need to hear from them I, I just wanted to jump onto what martin was saying about the, hoping the book would be a conversation starter I mean, I, I've, I've read a chapter, and I'm sorry, Clint, I turned it in late. I am the worst person at doing my homework. <laughs> um, no, and and did, a, did a Between the Chapters with Laura, where I had the opportunity to connect again with Dragan Gasovic, who I used to work with at Edinburgh, who I've not spoken to in ages. But So I've had some kind of personal connections through this, which have been lovely. But then the wider conversations, each time an episode drops, um, there's a you know there's Twitter chat. There's people connecting up in the behind, between the chapters conversations. There are so many communication uh, channels and conversations going around this book that I think what you intended has happened, and it's it's wonderful. So thank you. Yeah, I feel like the book is just like one part of an ecosystem. As you say, there's often like lots of chat then um, when the the episodes are released on Twitter, but also we've got things like uh, Brian, who's in in the chat now, did a, did a remix of the cover so people can remix the cover and stuff. There's this kind of whole the overused word ecosystem kind of around it, which I think is kind of really nice. You know, that really makes you feel you know, books just part of that stuff now, and maybe not even the most important part. It's like OER and the and the five R's and the possibility of remix. You're you're living the whole thing in this. And it's yeah. beautiful as as a model because it kind of played out organically. And uh, I, I commend Martin first for like not trying to be uh, like like I, I heard about it and I was like, oh, I didn't get a chance to read a chapter because they're already assigned. But then when Laura you know invited me, it was it was very exciting. And so just the way that that rippled out was beautiful. But also like the whole thing mm-hmm. about you can't be a definitive mm-hmm. encyclopedia on this stuff because every episode I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, but 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 but. Um, and that's that's what's really um, like. If anything, this demonstrates what OER can do without a lot of the formalisms. I, I recognize I missed a bunch of this conversation, um, but what I'm wondering is if any of you have thought of applying this model to an academic journal. So, you know, publish we publish an academic journal, we read the articles as podcasts, and then host a panel discussion around each of the articles. Um, Part of the reason that comes to my mind is I've been using a text-to-voice reader to listen to some articles while I'm, you know, out and about. And, oh my goodness, they're awful. You know, anytime you come to a table or a list of citations or anything, it's it's just painful. Uh, But listening to somebody read it is totally different yeah the machine learning translation versus a human interaction um i think the good thing about this book was it's open so we could do this for journal articles that are within the open 
ecosystem. I think that's one of my first call outs. And similar to like the research shorts um, YouTube channel, which Clint or somewhere else will share in the, on the hashtag, um, you do have to have either permissions or there has to be an openness access from the authors. Um, but yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And uh, maybe you'll pitch it, Colin. I'm looking forward to hearing where you take this. This is great. Well, and it's interesting you mentioned that, Colin, because I've just started using a, a, a service called, I think it's called Curio. And I've just, I just downloaded it last week. And what Curio does is it's narrated stories from various newspapers. So it's got like New York Times articles on there or Washington Post. It doesn't have the conversation piece afterwards, but I, I'm sensing that there is a bit of a momentum, at least in sort of the journalism, commercial areas where this kind of stuff is happening. So I think, you know, applying it to open journals would be a great model. And then having the discussion afterwards would be fantastic. The accessibility person in me will call out that we wish that we could have transcripts. Once again, this is produced by us. Um, so I would actually have transcriptions. And we've seen other podcasting services do that, um, whether it's music or podcasts, doing audio to text transcriptions and downloadable files. Um, so that's the learning designer in me is thinking about that. Um, but there's other things to consider if you're going to put this into a course or a practice or a program that we just didn't because... We hacked this together with the three of us, and that's the production team. The production team you see here is Clint and I, and then Martin's like an advisor to to this production. So, yeah. In TV, so was parts, mm -hmm. would I be like the executive producer? No, no one knows what they actually do, but they're just <laughs> listed at the end. No, I think they do more, Martin. So, no, no, you're not even that. <laughs> no, not even that. I don't think it's true. Pandemic means I haven't been able to do anything outside of my job. But So, I'm really excited to finally dig into this. But, um, uh, I was wondering about the transcriptions because that's something, is there a, kind of an automated way to do it that then you can fix? Cause like, I'd be happy to help with that. If, you know, if it runs through some kind of automation and then you have to go through and fix it. Like, yeah, that's just something I'm really interested in. Yeah. The one that I like um, is otter.ai and I guess we could do that, but it would need a human eye and interaction. So there is that human labor that's still relevant. And I have a few in my own work that we could use, but um, we we just didn't at the time, but if people want to volunteer and we'll take support afterwards, um, and that's specifically for, great, thank you, Christina's on my list. Um, and then anyone else who's interested in listening to this later, we'd love to, because um, we try to do our best to do some of that. And I wonder about that for any of our sessions. So when we have conferences, um, I held up my first virtual conference at my organization. We do have some post-production work, which are transcriptions, closed captioning, and verifying those are correct with all resources. Do we do that well for even us at a conference? Mm hmm. So it's a lot to do, but Otter Otter does work magnificently. But it's almost the equivalent time of editing out um, what you do in the post production. So I can see why <laughs> that's an, an extra step. But um, yeah, Otter is pretty fantastic. Well, Martin, maybe everyone can open up their mics and just give you a thank you, a clap, a cheer, because you started this. And so we just really appreciate that. So, yay. Yay. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. See what a bunch of blog posts will do? Thank you. Right? Yes. Why don't you have a whole cottage industry, right? <laughs> right? Yes. 
Got swag and everything. <laughs> um, yeah. If you, those of you want to contribute right. and have other thoughts, we put a link in the doc that we'll include. Uh, it's a call for community voice. So we still would love to hear from you. I will produce it, meaning I'll edit it. Um, if you want to answer any of those audio reflection questions, we'd love to hear from you. So you could record this on any sort of device, uh, not beta, but anything that will record audio, email and send it to myself or Clint, and we'll add you to some of the bonus reels of the Between the Chapters podcast. So thank you all for joining us. You've been listening to Between the Chapters with your host, Laura Pisquini. For more information or to subscribe to Between the Chapters and 25 Years of Ed Tech, visit 25years.opened.ca. 25